Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Let me tell you that the Bible says in the fullness of time, God sent his son. Now, sometimes things happen in our lives. Sometimes things happen in our country, in our generation, that we may not understand. Sometimes things happen in history, that we look back on history and we wonder, why did God allow that? Or why are we going through right now what we're going through as a nation, as a people? God does not cause evil. He is not in the business. He will not give you cancer, break your leg, or somehow, you know, cause you to go bald. Because, you know, he wants to punish you. That we don't serve a God that is punishing people in this age. We are in a New Testament age of grace. God was angry prior to the cross. We are in a period of grace. When you get to the book of Revelation, okay, and you read the book of Revelation, and the church, in my doctrine, has gone, we're going to see some angry punishing going on again. But we are in this wonderful moment of serving a God that has no desire to you know, blast you or have any uh, desire to punish you. He was angry, but he hung his anger. He hung his anger up on a cross. And the Bible tells us that God is not angry with us anymore. We have been reconciled to God by Christ Jesus. And so the things that might be happening in our lives or in our world, you know, uh, they're, they're not meant for our punishment. They're not meant uh, for somehow for God to be angry. The world is a pretty bad world in and of itself. And in many centuries gone by, God has at times stepped back and just allowed the world to run its course. But even when he's done that, God has worked all things together for his purposes. Such was the case with the Roman Empire. In the Roman days, when the Roman Empire, for the hundreds of years that it was in existence and that it ruled the, the, the known world, they put together something that God used when he sent Jesus. And when the church came on the scene, God used the things that the Romans had put in place, the structure, the the. the the roads, for example. You see that Roman road? That's a real Roman road. We were there just a little less than two weeks ago, 30 of us, and uh, someone took a picture of that road, and uh, there it is. That's, I mean, that road stretched all the way across the Roman Empire. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And, uh, I mean, and of course, it was better paved than that, and, you know, uh, but, and, and, and that has worn off, but, but, the road system in and of itself was something that God ordained. 
and that God used. They spent hundreds of years. They captured a lot of people, and they forced people to work on these roads. You know, it was not God making these things. It was God letting these things unfold, Him knowing that when the time came right and Jesus gave His life on the cross of Calvary and then on the day of Pentecost, that that home group, that 120 people in that home, whenever they went out into the streets, God didn't want it to stop there, but He wanted the gospel to be taken to the whole known world and they did that in only 40 years they carried it to philippi they carried it to rome they carried it to thessalonica laodicea they carried the gospel of jesus christ uh, you know to ephesus and to the regions of galatia they carried the word of god to their whole known world in only 40 years and they carried them across these roman roads you see god knows the end from the beginning and God puts all things together to make things work. It's acceptable for us to realize that God is also using things that are going on in our world today. Things that we don't understand and things that we would not do the way that He has done. Things that we would not perhaps allow that God many times, uh, God does not have to do anything for evil to, to, to raise its head. You know, uh, because evil is in the world. And that's what God is dealing with. But there are things that go on all the time that God does not cause, but that He will use. And God will use anything that you give to Him. God will use everything, even the things that the world does. God will use for His glory. And every knee bows, every tongue confesses. The Apostle Paul was a part of carrying the gospel to the known world down these Roman roads. He would go from city to city wherever the road led. He would stop in the next city and sometimes he would go through one place to get to another place. Just like we talked a few weeks ago, sometimes you go through something to get to something. And many times we do, do not know what God has in store for us until we get there. Sometimes you go down a road to get to the end of the road, and sometimes you go down a road to get to the fork in the road. And you do not know which one it is until you go down the road. Be faithful to God. Continue to reach out and continue to keep going with Him and see where it leads. The Apostle Paul stopped in a lot of cities. And in one city he stopped. We're going to read about today. We're going to talk about today. In one of those cities that he stopped was called the city of Corinth. And the city of Corinth was a very interesting city. We pick up on Paul being in the city of Corinth in the 18th chapter of Acts. And while you perhaps are getting ready in Romans, we're going to be going to Romans chapter 3 in just a moment. But in the 18th chapter of Acts, the Apostle Paul is in the city of Corinth. And uh, things have been happening. You know, Paul has not had, a, had an easy time. Paul has been beaten in some cities, and he went to the next city. He's been jailed in some cities, he went to the next city. He's been, you know, stoned and drug out on a trash pile and left for dead. 
I mean, he has encountered a lot of problems in a lot of places. And sometimes people would follow him to the next city and cause him trouble there. I mean, he has had a whole lot of trouble here. And now he finds himself in the city of Corinth. Now, let me, let me just shine a little bit of light on the city of Corinth for you. Okay? The city of Corinth was a very prosperous city. In fact, if you want to liken the city of Corinth to anything today, one of the guys that was with us just a, a couple of weeks ago, uh, he, he plays our guitar, Ben Lancaster. Ben and I were talking on the bus as we were headed to Corinth, and he was sharing with me, and uh, 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 he, he had been reading and studying up on the next cities that we were going to and the next sites, and he said, uh, Ben Lancaster said, I, I, have, I have been uh, you know, uh, reading about this. He said, and one of the writers like the city of Corinth to the Las Vegas of the Mediterranean in that day. And imagine with me the city of Las Vegas. And imagine Las Vegas ten times worse than Las Vegas has ever been. Imagine all the lights and all the activity and all the energy and everything going on in the city of Las Vegas. Imagine what they are there for and what they want. Money, 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 money. Well, Corinth was that type of city. In fact, it was well known all throughout the Mediterranean for being a place where you could have any of your sinful, lust-filled desires fulfilled in that city. If you had money, you could get anything you wanted. Corinth sits on an isthmus there in Greece. It's a small strip of land between, uh, between two other larger pieces of land, and there are seas on both sides. And it's only about you know, uh, uh, six miles, we found out, straight across. Uh, actually, six kilometers straight across. Not very far at all straight across there. And In fact, they have a canal dug across there right now, but they used to have a trail, a road that went across, across which they would take goods from one sea to the next sea. And that way they wouldn't have to sail like sailing around South America. They wouldn't have to sail around in those treacherous waters all the way around and come back up, you know, and, and, and uh, they could just carry it a short distance. In fact, they even had a service whereby they would pull your ship and all your cargo up out of the water and men would hold on to ropes and they had a road that led across and they would put your ship in the other ocean, in the other sea, and you could continue. Isn't that amazing? Wow. And a, you know, part of that road is still there today. Well, Corinth, therefore, was a very commercial city. Not only was it a great commercial city, but the city of Corinth had a lot of prominent and important people in it. And when the Apostle Paul got to Corinth, he started preaching the gospel. He started preaching about a Jesus who loved you, a Jesus who would give his life for you, a Jesus who would save you, a Jesus who would forgive you. He started preaching that Messiah has come and he loves you, he'll save you, he'll help you, he'll change your life, and people began to get born again. Not just, you know, a, a, you know, a, 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 a anybody but some very prominent people in the city some very prominent jews and some very prominent business people and they as they were getting saved you know the apostle paul had to be wondering oh no 
Is the same thing going to happen to me here that happened to me in Philippi, that happened to me in Thessalonica, that happened to me in Berea just, uh, you know, just, just a few weeks earlier? Is the same, I mean, am I going to be beaten because some rich people are getting saved and, 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 and it's, you know, it, it's upsetting the city? Am I going to get you know, jailed? Am I going to get you know, uh, uh, you know, run out of the city? And so while he is there in Corinth, Jesus shows up to Paul in a vision. Look in the 18th chapter, verse 9. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. I'm with you. Wow, what a word. What a word from God. Don't worry about this, Paul. Okay, I'm going to be with you. I have a lot of people here in this city, and I'm going to protect you. And nobody's going to attack you. Nobody's going to hurt you because I'm with you. Don't keep silent. You keep preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You just keep on. Don't let anybody shut you down. Don't be afraid. Verse 11, and he continued in Corinth for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Well, as I said, you know, about 10 days, two weeks ago, we were in the city of Corinth, 30 of us from the church here. And in every place that we would go, we would learn history and then we would learn the culture and the customs and we would read the Word of God and we would study the Word of God together and we would share insights. And there at Corinth, I took time to explain one of the things that, that preachers learn, at least they should learn, one of the things that preachers learn that makes sure that when we preach the word that we are giving you what God intends. Because you know the word of God is only the word of God when it is the word of God. The word of God is only the word of God when it is what God intended for the word to mean. We cannot pull a scripture out and use it for our own purposes. It is only powerful whenever it is what God intended for it to be. The devil tried to use the Word of God against Jesus. He tried to misuse the Word of God for his own advantage. But Jesus did not recognize that as God's intent and as God's Word. That was not what God meant, Jesus said. You know, you can't fool me by preaching to me a scripture or saying a scripture to me trying to get your own way or some advantage over me. That's what Jesus was saying. And we need Need to take heed to that and so therefore preachers we learn a skill uh, a, 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 um, an art as it were a subject called hermeneutics what in the world is hermeneutics well uh, you know if you aren't a preacher or you've never been exposed to it you may not know that that is even a real word but it is hermeneutics and homiletics you know hermeneutics is the process by which we arrive at a correct interpretation of the Bible. Okay. 
When uh, we went to India a couple of years ago in our seminary, I taught hermeneutics to our graduate students and, and encouraged them to make sure that they followed a very, uh, a, a very proven pathway in order to arrive at what God wanted them to know about each scripture. Now, the correct interpretation of the Bible is one of the most important things that you could ever receive. Because the Word of God is so powerful when it is the Word of God, when it's what God intended. But in order for us to understand what God meant in the Scriptures, we must first understand we must study to show ourselves approved, and we must first understand who wrote this. If at all possible, who wrote this? When did they write it? These are the questions that we ask as we study the Word of God. Who wrote this? When did they write it? Who did they write it to? Who were the people that this was intended what problem was God addressing when he wrote this in that day to those people? What was going on in their life? If we cannot understand the Word of God from a place to where God first intended it to make its initial impact, who wrote it? When did they write it? Who did they write it to? What was the situation of the people? What were they going to, going through? And what did it mean to them? Those things are necessary. And the last thing that a preacher does is that he then says, Okay, now how does that truth apply to our lives? We make application of the Word of God once we understand what God intended. We don't just pull scriptures out of thin air and preach them to achieve a, a pre-conclusion. Okay? So, the Apostle Paul was in Corinth and when he wrote the book of Romans that we're going to read in just a moment, we need to understand where he was, what he was seeing, what was going on in his world. We need to understand that, that, that God was using Paul's experiences. God was using what Paul understood and inspiring Paul from his experiences to give the Word of God, to understand that, that, that there was some help needed. Also, when we read the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, it's important that we can understand what the people in Corinth were going through. So, let me tell you a little bit about Corinth. Corinth was not only the Las Vegas of the Mediterranean, but there was a temple in Corinth. The largest temple was a pagan temple. It was the temple of Aphrodite. And it set way up high, up on a hill outside of the city. I mean, we're talking about, I, I think, uh, see, uh, see, we're in the city of Corinth. See on the top of that hill? That's a long way, isn't it? 
That's the temple of Aphrodite. Uh, that's, that's the Acropolis, but that's, the, that's where the temple of Aphrodite was, that far up. And that particular temple had been there for centuries. And in that temple, uh, th th there was a lot of things going on because, you know, Aphrodite is the mythological Greek goddess of, of love and passion and, and sex and lust and you know, pleasures, you know. And, and so uh, this, this ancient city of Corinth was, was well known for this temple and, and so much so that people would come to this city so that they could uh, visit this temple or perhaps find one of the 1,000 temple prostitutes. That's right. That temple, in the streets of the city, there were 1,000 temple prostitutes that would come down and walk through the city. Why? Because businessmen from everywhere and sailors and, you know, and, and, and all kinds of residents, everybody. I mean, if you, could go to Korea, if you could go to Las Vegas, you went to Las Vegas. Hello? If you could go to Las Vegas, uh, what would you go to Las Vegas for? Why would anybody want to go to Las Vegas? Well, guess what? Yeah, that's why they would go there. There were a lot of things there that you just couldn't see anywhere else. A lot of things there you just couldn't do anywhere else. There are a lot of things there you just couldn't enjoy anywhere else. And, and so they would go to this city and these temple prostitutes, more than a thousand temple prostitutes. Let me, uh, let, let me tell you that, that, that Corinth was, was a serious, it, Corinth was a sin-filled, vice-driven, high-energy, money-motivated haven of carnal pleasures. I wrote that down and put it in red. Let me, let me do that one more time. Corinth was a sin-filled, vice-driven, high-energy, money-motivated haven of carnal pleasures. It sounds like the kind of place that God would want to send somebody to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. It kind of sounds like a place that God would like to get a church going there. It kind of sounds like the kind of place that God would like to share the gospel that, that saves people and sets them free and changes their life forever, doesn't it? Well, that's why Paul was there. Paul was there because that's where the road led. And Paul was there because that's where Jesus wanted him. And Paul was preaching the Word of God. And he stayed there a year and a half preaching the Word of Almighty God. Well, as I said, every sinful carnal pleasure could be found and purchased there and and the city's uh, largest employer was the temple and every traveler knew when he went to corinth that he could easily recognize a temple prostitute why because temple prostitutes adorned their bodies with, with clothing and with earrings and with gold and, 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 you know, and, and silver. And, 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 you know, I mean, they dressed up. I mean, you can imagine, can't you? I mean, they really dressed up. They really seriously dressed up. Why? Because they wanted to be noticed. They wanted to be seen. We want, I mean, I, mean, I, mean, I, 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 I want to be pretty. I want to be attractive. I want to be, you know, I mean, I really want to. I mean, there's a lot going on in this city, and I want to be flashy. And to outflash Vegas, you've got to really outflash. Have you ever been to one of these places where they, I mean, the, I'm talking about you walk down the street, and you're going, oh, my, oh, wow, oh, no, wow. Oh, yeah, you know, I didn't see this in, I didn't see this in Southeast Texas. Oh, my, I'm talking about, whoa. Well, that's the way these women dressed. So they were easily recognizable. But also, there, there were two other things that, that they did so that they could be found. Because, I mean, they wanted money, and so they had to attract, and they had to be able to be found in this large city. This, this was a huge city. 
I mean, you can see how far it was to the Acropolis. I mean, it was, and, and so, you know, they wore uh, sandals that were leather, and on the bottom of their sandals, it, it was carved, uh, follow me. So that every time they took a step in those dusty streets, they left a trail that said, follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Interesting, huh? Wow. But there was also one more thing that helped to identify because you might know you're in Corinth and you might see that a lot of people, I mean, it's a lot's going on and everything, and, and, I, and I see a trail, but oh my goodness, you know, uh, look, looking around, uh, you know, perhaps I, I, I can't see how everybody's dressed, but I'm looking around the city and uh, uh, every prostitute also had their head shaved. Like yours, Jason. <laughs> of course, it's in my notes if you read it. Not everybody with shaved head was a prostitute, but everybody, every prostitute did have a shaved head. So that you could recognize them. So they were easily recognizable like they wanted to be. And so here the Apostle Paul is in the city of Corinth for a year and a half preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and a lot of people are being saved and a church has been started and, and everything, you know, I mean, God, uh, miracles and signs and wonders and healings and everything is really happening great and, 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 and you know, and, and, and the church is growing. And, but it's not just business people and not just families and not just the little, you know, sweet, you know, uh, wouldn't you know it? God's saving some prostitutes. Oh my goodness. Why would Jesus? Because he came to save the lost, the sinner. And the problem was is that When a prostitute would get saved and would want to go to church, how could they go to church? How could they get into a discipleship program? How could they get in? I mean, how, I mean, how in the world? I mean, you, I mean look at them. Shaved head. 96 piercings, tattoos. You know who they are. What are they doing here? Oh, no, not them. You're not welcome here. Oh, we know you. Where's she going? You've been to church. Look at you. Do you know the same thing happens today? You know, when you read the writing of the Apostle Paul, you get to the book of Corinthians, you find out that the Apostle Paul, if you're not watchful, if you don't know these things, you'll think that he is some male chauvinist, misogynist, that he hates women, that something's wrong with this man. Nothing's wrong with him. He's been misread. He writes in Corinthians, listen, ladies, you know it's a shame to have your head shaved. You know the shame of that. How about the rest of you ladies covering your hair? How about the rest of you 
you know, not flaunting your righteousness and giving these girls a chance so that they aren't so obvious and they aren't so picked out and picked on? How about some of the rest of y'all having a little bit of mercy, a little bit of understanding and helping out here? How about some of you rich when you get together there and having the Lord's Supper, as you call it, and you got all the food you want, and some of these people who don't have a job because they've had to quit their job, and some of these people have anything, and they're coming in with nothing. How about you not eat? How about not one of you having one meal that's really, really good and the rest of them just getting scraps? Come on now, guys. Church, let's make sure we make people who are not like us, who God is saving out of a world of lost and sinfulness. How about less paying a little attention and making them feel a little more comfortable? You know, just in November, Sunday morning, about 9 o'clock, I walked into the foyer and somebody came and told me, Pastor, there's a man sitting out in the pickup out in the parking lot. He wants to talk to you. I said, you go back out to the parking lot and you tell that man that the pastor will, will, will talk to him and will give him all the time he wants right after church. Tell him to get himself out of that truck and get in church. You know, people who go to church cut down on my counseling time, by the way. Y'all know that? <laughs> And so he sat out there for a while longer. I didn't know if he was coming in or not, but I, I was going, okay, okay, okay. Will he come in? Will he not come in? Will he come in? Will he not come in? Oh, did I do right? Not do right. And finally he got out of the truck and walked in, sat down right over there, right back there. He's at work today. He texted me yesterday, told me he was going to be at work. He sat there through the first service. He sat there through the second service. And, 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 and he's watching right now. David, I love you. God bless you. Watching at work. He sat right over there. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Yeah. And the reason, you know one of the reasons he wouldn't get out of the truck and come in to begin with? Is because he hadn't been to church since he was a little boy. And since he was a little boy, he had done a whole lot of things. That, that, uh, and, and he had tattoos all over him. And, and, uh, and he did not imagine that, 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 that this was a place where he would be accepted. He didn't know whether we'd let him come to church or not. That's what the world imagines. And that's what the Apostle Paul was addressing as he was sitting there for 18 months looking around and watching, you know, as, as he's preaching and he's teaching, he's seeing people saved and coming to the church and, 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 and he's discipling them and he's watching people come and go and all the different things. He, as he's sitting there, the Holy Spirit is moving on his life. And as the Holy Spirit moves on him, you know, Paul knew the heart of God was to save sinners. Paul knew that God wanted to save sinners. And he was looking at the Las Vegas of his day. And he knew that God wanted to save sinners. And it's from that situation, as he sits there in Corinth, that God moves on him and inspires him to write the book of Romans. A letter to a church that he's never visited before. And, and by extrapolation, a letter to our church. And he writes the heart of the gospel. 
Romans is the heart of the gospel. And look what he writes as he's sitting there in Corinth, looking at, the, at, 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 at the, those who have been saved and those who have not be, be yet, yet been saved from every strata. And, he, and he's looking at all the sin. He's sitting in the worst sin-filled city of that day and perhaps the worst of any day. He writes Romans 3.23. He writes what we call the Roman road to salvation. He says, all have sinned. He's looking around him. He's looking around at the, at the business people and the prostitutes and, and, and the sailors and, and those that are you know, uh, following the follow me signs. And, and all, you know, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He understands it, and he writes to them to realize that, listen, there is not one of you that is without sin. And maybe we should pay a little more attention to what God is doing with sinners these days because every one of us was a sinner. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He writes a little more than we get to Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. You should die for the way you've been living, for the way you live, for the decisions you made. You deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but there is a gift. As he's sitting there looking around, you know, and watching, he's going, oh, but there's a gift, you know. Yes, you deserve, you know, uh, death. Yes, you deserve death. Yes, you're a sinner, and, and you deserve death. But let me tell you, there is a gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's a gift today. You know, we walk in a world full of sinners. When we walk out of here and start walking in a world, tomorrow, no doubt, we're going to meet some people that are worthy of death. But guess what? There's a gift of God. And no matter where they are, where they've been, or what they're doing, God will save their soul. All have sinned, and the wages of sin is death, but there's a gift of God called eternal life. He writes some more and, and, and continues to encourage us. And then he gets to Romans, the 10th chapter. And in verse 13, he says, For whosoever, whosoever, it does not matter. Robert, it doesn't matter that you spent 14 years in prison. It doesn't matter, you know, that, that, that you know, you only went for eight, but he spent 14, he said, because of all the stabbings. Come on now. Which one among you has a right to claim righteousness? Come on, folks. We need as a church, and I, I'm, I'm just thankful to you. I'm thankful to you for realizing that, that, that all have sinned. And, and, and sure, sure, that, that, you know, sin is not right, it's wrong. But there's a gift of God called eternal life that God will give to anyone who calls upon his name. He will save. Praise God. He will save you. This morning, no matter what you have done, no matter where you've been, no matter what you have caused, Almighty God will save your soul. He will forgive you. He will heal you. He will set you upright. He will touch you like you've never been touched before. He will fill you with the power of the Holy Spirit. He will make you a witness and give you a testimony, and He will bring people to Christ through you. God loves you and has a plan for your life. 
Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He writes in verse 14 of Romans 10, But how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him whom they not heard? And how shall they hear? How, how shall they hear without a preacher? How in the world is anybody ever going to get saved unless somebody tells them? That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about a preacher like me. He's talking about somebody who will proclaim the gospel. How in the world is anybody ever going to get saved if somebody doesn't tell them? If somebody doesn't tell them, they won't know what to believe. If somebody doesn't uh, tell them so that they can believe, they will never call. If they call, they'll be saved. But how can they call if they don't believe? And how can they believe if nobody's going to tell them the truth? And how shall somebody tell them unless they actually be sent to tell them. Well, I send you in the name of Jesus. I'm going to send you in Jesus' name. I'm sending you. How, you know, I just written how beautiful are the feet of those who proclaim the gospel of peace. Proclaim a gospel of peace. Not a, not, 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 not a gospel of anger. Not a gospel of, of judgment. Not a gospel of hell. But preach a gospel of heaven. Preach your gospel of God save sinners. God's helped those who are in trouble. He cares about those who come to him with glad tidings of good things. Come on, tell somebody something good this week. Tell somebody something good about Jesus this week. Tell somebody something great and give them something to look forward to. Come on now, church. Listen to me. That's what brings people to Christ. The Apostle Paul saw it sitting right there in Corinth. He saw what God was doing through people who would just be kind and caring and share the gospel of peace and glad tidings of good things, and he wanted other churches to know about this. And so he wrote to Rome, a church he'd never even been to, and said, listen, this is how you ought to do. This is how you ought to feel. This is what you need to know. And church, let me tell you, you have been doing that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Will you call upon the name of the Lord today? Will you ask Him to save you? Will you reach out and, and ask Him to save your family? Would you, would you allow sinners? How about the worst person in your life? How about the worst person at your job? The worst, your worst enemy in your classroom? How about, how about the worst politician that you know? Would you let them be saved if Jesus would save them? Would you, would you dare to accept them and receive them? How about somebody walking in our church doors, walking into your world? What if somebody gave their life to Jesus Christ? Would you help them? Would you help them before they give their life to Christ? Would you be a part of sharing the gospel with them before they're saved would you reach out to the lost would you witness to someone who needs Jesus would you dare would you dare let's pray and seal this word in our hearts this morning and if you have never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior right now is the time to do it right now ask Jesus into your heart the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word that was one of the next scriptures, Romans 10, 17. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Faith, faith comes when people hear the Word. When people hear the Word of God, faith comes. 
the faith to be saved, the faith to change, the faith to love others, the trust in God to love others who have sinned. Let's pray that we would have that faith. Father, Lord, seal your word in our hearts. Lord, help us to understand that you are saving sinners. Lord, help us to not be afraid of sinners, Lord. And God, help us, Lord, to be a voice, God, in someone's world, to proclaim the love of Christ, good things, glad tidings, Lord. God, help us, Lord, to share the gospel of peace, not the gospel of aggravation, but the gospel of love. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we would be, uh, Lord, a tool you could use, Lord, individually and collectively, Father. And Lord, today, if anyone needs to be saved, God, if they just call upon you, Lord, they just call upon your name, Lord, save me, forgive me of my sins, come into my life, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior, fill me with your Spirit and teach me how to live. Set me in a church so I can learn and grow. Lord, let that be the prayer, Lord. And the reality, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.